We are gathered here, Lord, to study your word. We pray in that word will have its full <clears throat> purpose in our lives. Your word that is already anointed, I pray, Lord, that you anoint my lips in the name of Jesus. Let every heart be prepared to receive your word. Holy Spirit, speak to us in Jesus' mighty name. I commend my thought to you, I pray, Lord, that you grant me all trust in Jesus' name. Amen. Right, so last week we started with lessons from the birth of Christ. And um, this week we are going to continue from where we left off last week. Um, but before we go into this week, I'm just going to do a quick recap of last week. And then we will start with this week. So... Um, <clears throat> Yeah, so last week we um, mentioned that the birth of Christ was prophesied in the Old Testament. And this happened several years ago before the birth actually took place. And we can learn from that that whatever word we have received from God, no matter how long it takes, God is faithful to his word to bring it to pass. And then again, we discussed um, the period of silence, the 400 years of silence between Malachi and Matthew. Even though in our Bibles, it's just one page. It is 400 years that makes up just that one page. And um, in the midst of those 400 years, even as um, it was received that God was not speaking, God was not doing anything new, no prophet had been sent, to the people, God was still faithful to his purpose and to his plan. And so kingdoms came in, kingdoms went away, but then God's purpose still remained until the time was due for Christ to be born. So at the appropriate time, Christ was born. But the purpose of God in the midst of all those years of silence, the purpose of God still remained. God had not forgotten his purpose. God had not given up on his purpose and God's plan for his people. In the, even though even though it, it was received that God was not speaking to his people at that time, he was still committed to bring to pass his purpose and his plan had not been forgotten. So in the midst of silence, when we are praying and trusting God for anything, we can be confident. We can look at those five, um, 400 years of silence where... It was as if God was not saying anything to his people. It was as if the prophecy had been forgotten. But God was still faithful, preparing the way. And those years of silence were all preparation for the fulfillment of the prophecy and were all in line with the fulfillment of prophecy. We also touched on the genealogy of Jesus Christ from Matthew. From Matthew's perspective, where the genealogy of Jesus is traced down to Joseph, the husband of Mary. And then in Luke, from Luke's perspective, where the genealogy of Jesus is traced down to Mary, who is the mother of Jesus. And then we mentioned that there were four ladies in the genealogy of Jesus, according to Matthew's account. And those ladies were, two of them were Gentiles, two of them had committed adultery. And so we said that in the plan of God, 
the Gentiles were included, and people who were even identified as sinners, Christ came for those people. They were not rejected. God, we also said that God chose Mary and Joseph, who seemed like inexperienced parents, to be the mother to, to, to Jesus Christ, who is God coming in the form of a flesh. And then we also said last week that Mary's wedding plans were interrupted by God's divine purpose. And so sometimes the divine purpose and the divine agenda of God will interrupt our um, plans. We just have to yield to God's plan and we have to yield to God's purpose. When our plans, when the, the things that we have decided to do is interrupted by God, we should trust in the sovereignty of God. We should trust that God knows what is best for us and that he's working all things for our good. Okay, so Mary's, we, we, we also said that Mary's heart was willing to yield to the um, to the plan of God. When, when the angel told Mary, Mary didn't argue, but then Mary just gave in to the plan of God and just said to the angel, be it according to your word. Now, so we discussed Mary. Now, the next character we are going to discuss, we are going to start with for today is Joseph, who the Bible describes as a just man. And from the passage that we read last week, the, Bible's, the Bible told us that, um, I'm, I'm reading from Matthew chapter 1, from verse, um, verse 19. The Bible says, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. And so Joseph was a just man. Imagine that you had plan you have plans with somebody that oh you are gonna get married. You have made you have told your friends that you found you found this beautiful lady that you're gonna get married to. And then lady the lady brings the news to you that you she's pregnant. I'm sure that most men or most people will be very angry and they will take They'll go every extent and every length to embarrass this lady and make her know that she's done something wrong. But the Bible says Joseph, being a just man, didn't want to make a public example of Mary. Joseph actually had the backing of the laws of Moses to make a public example of Mary. And so even if she had, he had decided that he was going to make a public example of Mary, that would have been according to the law. But the Bible says that because he was a just man, he said he wasn't going to make a public example. He wasn't interested in putting Mary to shame, but he was just going to put Mary, just going to dissolve the marriage or the, the arrangement they have quietly. And so what that meant was that he was just going to invite two or three people. And then I, um, in the eyes of the two or three people, he would say that, uh, we're planning to get married, but this Mary is pregnant, and therefore uh, I'm released, or I'm releasing her, and therefore I'm also free to find another person. Because in Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 23, the Bible says, "If a young man who, if a young woman who is a virgin is betrothed to a, a husband, and the man finds her in the city and lies with her, that is another man finds her in the city and lies with her." Then you shall bring them both out of the gate of that city 
and you shall stone them to death with stones. And so Joseph could have presented Mary to be stoned to death because she was pregnant out of the marriage arrangement. But the Bible says Joseph was a just man and didn't want to make a public example of Mary. Now, this decision that Joseph took and the attitude with which he approached the situation speaks to speaks volume to us. <clears throat> Joseph decided to have mercy on Mary rather than judge her and condemn her. And we should extend the same mercy that we want others to extend to us. Most of the times when others are caught in sin or when others are wrong, we feel they should pay a full price for their sins. But when we are wrong, we hoping that we will have mercy or will receive mercy. When, so when somebody has wronged you, you just wish that God will punish the person according to what the person has done. But when you do the same thing, you pray and hope that God will have mercy upon you. But what we are supposed to do is to extend the same mercy that we expect to receive in return when we are also wrong. And this is the extension of that mercy that Joseph showed to Mary. How do we handle the sin of other people? When a brother is caught in sin, when a sister is caught in sin, when we hear that somebody is, has done something wrong, how do we handle it as believers? It is important how we handle people when they commit sins or when they are, they, they are at fault or when they are guilty. Joseph, being a just man, decided that I don't want what Mary has done. First, he didn't even know. At this point, he didn't even know that it was the Holy Spirit that had made Mary pregnant. And so I believe that at this point he was thinking that Mary had committed adultery or fornication. And so yet still, even with that mindset that Mary had committed fornication, he still said, I don't want to make a public example of, of her. I don't want people to know what she has done. Yes, I know she had done something wrong, but I don't want anybody to know. And that was the mind of Joseph. Before the angel came to Joseph, Joseph was thinking to himself that I'm just going to put her away secretly because I don't want to make a public example of her. And this is the demonstration of great love. That even though these two people were planning to get married, and at this point, Joseph thought that Mary had broken her vow, Joseph still decided that I don't want to put her to shame. I don't want to make a public example of her. I don't want her to be stoned to death. I will just extend mercy to her. Yes, even though I love this young woman and I was planning to get married to this young woman, but she's done this to me. It's okay. I'm just going to put her away secretly and go on with my life. Uh, with my life. That is the demonstration of love. That shows that Joseph really loved Mary. That showed that Joseph really had compassion and didn't want to embarrass Mary. Even at this point when she thought, he thought that she's done something wrong, he didn't want to make a public example. Of it. And Joseph is a very good example to us as believers. When others are caught in sin, when others are caught in a fault, when we try to correct other people, how do we go about it? How do we handle the sins of other people? Do we go about broadcasting to other people and telling people how this pastor has done this and how this prayer warrior has done that?
that wasn't the attitude that Joseph took. But then he didn't want to make a public example. We are supposed to cover other people. When other people are going to be in shame, it does not mean that we don't tell them when they are wrong, but we don't expose them to public embarrassment. We don't expose them to public shame. We don't do things to people that will break their faith forever and they cannot recover. When somebody is caught in sin, how we handle it, the Bible tells us how we handle it is a test of our spirituality. If you are really spiritual, how you handle somebody's sin or somebody's offense will tell in, in, in your character if you are spiritual. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 to 5, the Bible says, Brethren, if any man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness. And so if you are spiritual and somebody is caught in an offense, somebody is overtaken by a sin, when somebody is overtaken by a sin, it, doesn't mean, it means that the person is not somebody who is habitually living in sin, but the person has been caught in sin. The Bible says you who are spiritual. So if you are a spiritual person, what you seek to do is first to restore the person in gentleness, in the spirit of gentleness. And so you, your whole goal of conf, confronting the person or speaking to the person about what the person has done is to restore the person. If your objectives, if your objective for talking about another people's um, another person's offense is not to restore them, then you have missed the whole point. Again, the Bible tells me then you are not spiritual yourself. You are being carnal. So if you are spiritual, when somebody is caught in a sin, you restore. Your goal is to restore the person. And the Bible says, how do we go about it? You restore the person in the spirit of gentleness. So you gently approach the person and you try to restore the person from the sin. And the Bible warns, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burden so and so fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? The law of Christ is to love your neighbor as yourself. And so the Bible says that once your goal is to restore the person, once your goal is to share in the person's burden, then you are demonstrating or you are fulfilling the law of Christ, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. If you love your neighbor as yourself and your neighbor is caught in sin, you will treat your neighbor how you want to be treated if you were the one who was caught in that sin. Obviously, when somebody's caught, when you are caught in a fault, you wouldn't want to be embarrassed. You, didn't, you wouldn't want so many people to hear about it. You would just wish that somebody would love you and comfort you or speak to you in an attempt to definitely correct you, but in the spirit of love. The Bible says when we share other people's burden, when we try to restore other people in the spirit of gentleness, then that means we are loving those people as we love ourselves. So how you handle the sins of other people can be a test of your spirituality. The Bible says you who are spiritual, restore any person who is caught in sin in the spirit of gentleness. Sometimes the way we administer correction is either through anger or passion. And so we miss the whole point. We miss the um, opportunity to show love to people who are in the wrong. Because 
of the anger of this because of the anger of what the the anger we we get from what they have done the wrongs they have done or the passion with which we want to correct them we miss the point we miss an opportunity to touch their lives and to minister to them and to even um, help them heal quickly or help them um, um, be restored when they are caught in sin and so the bible says we should be gentle to the offender because we might also be tempted in the same offense that the person has been tempted in so the bible says you who are spiritual restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness considering yourself lest you also be tempted and because joseph considering joseph looked at mary's situation and didn't want to make mary a public example she didn't he didn't want whatever had happened to go out so that everybody will hear but she he just wanted to separate with mary quietly and so how we handle other people's sin from from the character of joseph we can learn that it is important that we extend mercy to other people when they are caught in sin in the case of mary she had not done anything wrong but up to this point joseph didn't really know what was going on until the angel came to speak with joseph joseph didn't have all the facts sometimes we don't have all the facts because any people's situation but we can jump into conclusion and judge the people Sometimes we should just extend mercy because you might not have all the facts. You might not have been in the same situation that the person was in. If the if you were in the same situation, maybe you would have done worse. Maybe you would have failed. But it's God's mercy that you don't find yourself in that situation. And so when other people have done things that are wrong, we as believers, we as people who love God, should extend love to them and should correct them in the spirit of gentleness so that we don't lose such people so that we don't push them further into sin so that we don't push them further into um, doing the wrong thing so Joseph was a just man and so he didn't want to make a public example of Mary and we can learn from Joseph that if we are righteous if we have the spirit of God we shouldn't rejoice when people are caught in sin when people backslide when people um, do things that are not in line with christian doctrine we will extend mercy and grace to such people now after that um when joseph was thinking this in his heart that he was going to divorce mary secretly the bible tells us that an angel the Bible tells us that an angel came to Joseph in a dream and told Joseph that he shouldn't be afraid to take Mary to be his wife because what Mary has conceived is of the Holy Spirit. And so Joseph, in, in, in that dream, after the angel spoke to Joseph, Joseph moved on to take Mary as his wife. Now, when God has given you a vision, when God has given you an assignment, God is definitely going to send helpers. At this point, God had to step in to instruct Joseph not to be afraid to take Mary, but to help Mary through the journey. And so God was not going to leave Mary, even 
after God interrupted Mary's life, God was not going to leave Mary to handle the situation alone. And so when God gives you an assignment, he's going to send help and help us. He's going to send people who assist you along the journey. He's going to send people who partner with you to fulfill the purpose of God. And so God had to come in and instruct Joseph that don't be afraid to take Mary to be your wife because what she has is of the Holy Spirit. What she has is an agenda of God. It is the purpose of God. It is the plan of God. It is God's divine intervention to the world. And so don't be afraid to take Mary to be your wife. When you pursue God's purpose, he will always send people your way who will help you. So if you're on a road now pursuing the purpose of God, don't think that you are alone. God is going to send help. He was going to send helpers. Joseph was sent to help Mary in the journey of carrying the vision that God had given Mary. Now, a very interesting happen, a very interesting thing happened in the book of Acts chapter 16 from verse 14 to verse 15. The Bible says this is when Paul was instructed not to go into a city that he was planning to go into, but then he saw in a vision to come to the city of Macedonia. In the vision, a man from Macedonia said, come over to Macedonia and help us. And so Paul perceived that God wanted him to come into Macedonia. And so when he went into the city of Macedonia, first of all, look at the person he met. In verse 14, the Bible says, now a certain woman named Lydia had us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Titeria who worshipped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed to the things spoken by Paul. And when she she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. This is Paul entering a city that she, he knows no one in that city, but God had instructed Paul to go into that city and to go and preach. And now this is a person who God opened her heart to receive the word that Paul was preaching. And Paul, the, the Bible says that the woman persuaded Paul to come and stay with them. Not that Paul even had a place to stay. Paul didn't have a place to stay. But somebody, God had opened somebody's heart who was even persuading them to come and stay with her. God sent them into the city. God made provision for them in that city. And that's why when God sent the, the disciples two by two, he told them, don't make provision for yourself because when God sends you on a vision, he's going to send provision. He's going to send people who will come and help you. God did not leave Mary to carry the Messiah by herself. God stepped into the situation and ensured that Joseph was going to help Mary along the way. And so when you carry a godly purpose, know that God is going to send men your way who will help you. Now, the Bible says that his name shall be called Jesus. The angel told them that his name shall be called Jesus. Jesus is the Greek version of the Hebrew name Joshua, which means the Lord saves. So Jesus also means the Lord saves. And the reason why Jesus came to this earth was to save sinners, was to deliver men from the power of sin. And he said that in Luke chapter 19, he said, 
he said that uh, verse 9 says that and Jesus said to him today salvation has come to your house he because he's also a son of Abraham verse 10 he says for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost so Jesus came to save sinners and that is his name his name is the Lord saves and if this is the purpose of Jesus Christ this is the reason why he came this is the reason why he came on earth to save sinners then this must be our number one goal if we are followers of Jesus Christ his whole agenda was to come and seek and save the lost and that should be our agenda as people of God it is the delight of the master that his house will be full God delights that people will come into his house, that his house may be full. And so our ultimate goal as believers or as a church is to seek and save the lost. Is to seek people who are lost and save them. This is the reason why Jesus came. That is the meaning of his name, that the Lord saves. And if you are somebody who identifies with this person, then saving people from their wrong ways, then preaching the gospel for people to be saved should be your number one goal. Because the one who we follow, that is his goal, that is his objective, that man will be saved. And the Bible tells us a story in Luke chapter 14, verse 16 to 23. And this paints a picture of this of the people of Israel that the Lord came to save them, but they made so many excuses. The Bible said that that a certain man gave a great supper and invited many and sent his servant at the supper, at the supper time to say to those who were invited, come, for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of land and I must go and see it. The second said, I have bought five yokes of oxen and I'm going to test it. And then the third also said, I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. They all gave excuses. Two of them, their excuses was about their business. Somebody said he's bought a land. He wants to expand his estate. He wants to get um, a bigger estate. Somebody also said, I have bought five oxen. I'm going to check my business. And this excuses are the same excuses that we are hearing today. The reason why people don't want to come to church. They are working. They have to get the, um, the hour and a half salary or hour and a half pay rate. So they will, they will go to work on Sundays and they will not come to church. Another man said, I have married a wife. Because of family commitment, he's not able to come to church. He said, I will not be able to come. But then the Bible says, then the master of the house, being angry, said to the servant, go out quickly into the street and the lane of the city. And bring in here the poor, the maimed, and the lame, and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded. And, and still there is room. Then the master said to, to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. So it is the delight of the master that his house may be filled. This paints a picture of the people of Israel. They made excuses when they saw the Messiah. And so the Gentiles were invited to come in. 
But now that we are believers, the heartbeat of God has not changed. It is still the heartbeat of God that many will be called into the supper, that many will respond to the call, that his house might be full, that his house may be filled. That should be our goal. That should be our objective, that God delights for his house to be full. And therefore, we as people of God must go everywhere and invite people into the house, that the house of God may be full. Now, we want to continue with the story of Jesus Christ. Which lessons can we learn again from the birth of Jesus Christ? And this time we are taking Luke's account of the birth of Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter 2, the Bible says, Now it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, that all the world should be registered. And the census, this census first took place when Quirinius was governing Syria. Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house of the, and the lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her first son and wrapped him in a, in, in a swaddling cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, the Bible had already prophesied that Jesus was going to be born in Bethlehem in the city of David. But at the point where Mary was pregnant, Mary and Joseph lived in the city, lived in Galilee, out of Nazareth in Judea. So they were living in Judea, but the prophecy was that for all the things that God has said concerning the Messiah to come to pass, one of the very important signs was that the Messiah was supposed to be born in Bethlehem. However, Mary was pregnant and was still living in Judea. And so there has to be a way for God's word to come to pass. And so God will use men from every place to bring to pass his word. Just let's study the timing of the birth of Mary. At the exact time when Mary was supposed to give birth, the king at that time decided to have a census. And so everybody was required to go to their, to their city. Remember, the word of God was that the Messiah was going to be born in Bethlehem. However, pregnant Mary and Joseph were not living in Bethlehem. And so they has to, God has to find a way to bring them to Bethlehem for that purpose, for that prophecy. To come to pass. And God used an unbeliever king. The unbeliever king made a rule that everybody must come to their cities to be registered. And that put Mary on Joseph in Bethlehem. And the Bible says that so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And so the word of God came to pass that the Messiah was supposed to be born in Bethlehem. 
So, beloved, you need to understand that God is faithful to his word. God is going to use unbelievers, everything, institutions to bring to pass his purpose. If God has given you a word, he can use any any powerful institution you can think about. Be the government, be it the mayor, be it the governor of your city to make a rule that will fall in line with the purpose of God. And so the purpose of God concerning the church, God will use people in authority, some of them unbelievers, and they will work things out to fulfill the plan and the purpose of God. How is it that among all the days of the the year, the governor or the king decided that this was the time that he wanted them to have the census? That was the exact time that Mary was due. And that brought Mary and Joseph into the city of Bethlehem to fulfill the prophecy that God has said concerning the Messiah. Know that all things are working together for your good. If you you have a plan, if God has given you a word, if God is, you are following the plan and the purpose of God, then God will turn institutions around to fall in line. So David said, the lines are falling for me in pleasant places. It means things were just working together for my good. The king made the decree at the exact time that Mary was supposed to give birth. And that put Mary and Joseph into the city of Bethlehem so that Mary would give birth in fulfillment of the prophecy that the Messiah was supposed to be born in the city of Bethlehem. God's word does not fail. The Bible says, even if heaven and earth will pass away, not a single word of God is going to fail. And so if God has given you a word, you think that it is too far. How can these things be? How is this going to be possible? Mary and Joseph were living in Judea. Now Mary and Joseph were pregnant. But the Bible has said that a Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. So the Messiah was supposed to be born in Bethlehem. The king made a decree and that brought them to the city of David for the Messiah to be born. You should be encouraged that God will order your steps to his purpose. If God has given you any plan, any purpose, any vision to pursue, God will order your steps to that purpose. God ordered the steps of Joseph and Mary to give birth in the city of Bethlehem to fulfill the prophecy that God had concerning the Messiah. Know that as a child of God, there is nothing that happened to you by accident. Nothing that happens to you by mistake. You would have said that, oh, maybe it was just by mistake that Joseph and Mary found themselves in that Bethlehem that they were supposed to give birth. But it cannot be by mistake because it has already been prophesied several years ago that the Messiah was going to be born in Bethlehem. And last week we read that prophecy that the Messiah was supposed to be born in Bethlehem, in the city of David. And so... It wasn't an accident. And so it wasn't an accident that Mary and Joseph found themselves in Bethlehem at the exact time that Mary was due to give birth. And she gave birth to her first child in the city of David, according to the word of God. Beloved, God is faithful to his word. Every single prophecy, 
every single word that God has spoken concerning us. Remember that as a child of God, there is no place or nothing that you do, no destiny decision that you take that is by accident. But God orders our steps to his purpose. Just like God ordered the steps of Joseph and Mary to bring them to the city of David, to bring them to Bethlehem before they gave birth, God orders our steps to his purpose. If they had remained in Judea, maybe they would have found a place to give birth to the Messiah because that was their own home. But everything had to fall in line for God's plan that the Messiah was supposed to be born in a manger. And for that matter, they had to be outside of their home city, outside of the place they live for that to happen. Because if Mary and Joseph were in Judea, there was no way they were going to give birth to their first child in a manger. There was no way they were going to give their first, they were going to be, give birth to their first child in Bethlehem. But God had to find a way to move them from Judea. God, in the past, we've seen God use dreams and visions to speak to Joseph and Mary. But this time, he used an unbeliever king to make sure that his purpose will come to pass. And so let know that God can use anyone, anyone around us to bring to pass his purpose. Whatever God has prepared in, in, ahead of us, let's trust him that he's leading us and he's guiding us to that purpose. The prophecy was fulfilled just like it was said in the book of Mark, uh, Micah. Now the meaning of Bethlehem is the house of bread. And so the bread of life was given birth to in the house of bread. But however, the Bible says there was no room for him. And so he was laid in a manger. Next week, I'm going to talk about there was no room for him. And I'm going to talk about some of the characters um, that uh, God used when um, Jesus was born. But when Jesus came here on earth, as God as he is, he agreed to be born in a manger. God came to visit the earth that he had created. However, the Bible says there was no room for him in the earth that he had created. The people that he was coming to save, there was no room for him. And God agreed that as a baby, he was going to be laid in a manger. He was going to be born in the midst of animals. The most despised place that you can even think about. That look at those days where they were, we didn't have all this. Um, there was not so much advancement in science. And there was no medication. And um, mortality rate was, was very low because a lot of the children died and didn't make it to um, the teenage um, age. Or did not even make it to the adolescent age. But however, God agreed to be born in a manger and the bible in the book of philippians tell us or teaches us that let this mind be in you which was also in christ who being in the form of god did not think it robbery to be equal with god but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and made and was made in the likeness of man so Christ was God when he came here on earth. He was, by, by all means, by any measure that you can think about, he was God 
but he decided to empty himself of his godness, empty himself of all his God qualities and became like a man. And the Bible says, even in the form of a man, he did not choose the highest position or the highest place as a man, but he made himself of no reputation. If God was going to come on earth, then he would have chosen a special way to be announced to the people on earth. He would have chosen a special way to make himself known to the people on earth. However, Christ did not want any of those announcements. He did not want any special place to be born. He did not choose the best of the hospitals or the best of the hotels, but he chose a manger. That God was born in a manger. And the Bible says, let this mind be in you as a child of God. The humility that Christ had, that he emptied himself of his God nature. Not only did he empty himself of his God nature, but he took upon the, the form of a man. And even when, even after taking upon himself the form of a man, he was humble enough to rather take upon himself the lowest, the form of a lowest servant. And he served all men. And this mind should also be in us. That we will be like Christ. That our attitude will be like Christ. When somebody has a reputation, the first thing they want people to know is that reputation. When you go to a place and maybe you have a title like a doctor, a lawyer, the first thing you want the people to know is that title. But Christ emptied himself of those things. Why do people want to be referred to by their titles? Because when you mention the title, there's a sort of respect that you are caught those people. But Christ emptied himself of his godness. And then he decided that he's during his lifetime here on earth, he was now going to prove to the people that he was the Messiah. He could have chosen the easier path. Right from his birth, he will make the people aware that he's the Messiah. That would be an easy ministry. They will start following him. But he chose to empty himself and become like a man. And the Bible says, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. Death on the cross was like the lowest form of death that any man could suffer at that time. And, and we can testify by the other people who were hanged together with Christ. There was a murderer and there was a thief hanged together with Christ. Those were the people who deserved that type of death. Not God, not Christ. He chose the lowest form of death. And the Bible says, because of this, God has highly exalted him. Because Christ humbled himself, God exalted him. If we want God to exalt us, we should learn humility and be like Christ Jesus. That he emptied himself of his reputation and did not think about who he is. But he came here and became like a servant he was in all aspects god because in john chapter 1 verse 1 the bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god and so christ was god and the bible says the word became flesh and dwelt among us so it was god who became flesh who became a baby and was born in the form of christ but he did not choose the most beautiful place to be born he chose the most lowly place to be born. And the Bible says, let this mind be in you as it was in Christ. 
Now, because he humbled himself, the Bible says, God has exalted him and given him a name that is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee should bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So through the birth of Christ, one of the things that we can also learn is his humility. How he introduced himself to the world. He introduced himself to the world in humility. He came to the lowest place and was born in a manger. Into the, into the world that he came to save, there was no place for him. Men did not have place for him. And so he had to be born in a manger. Next week, we'll talk about the innkeeper who gave the manger to Mary to be born in. And we'll talk about um, Herod. And we'll talk about the wise men who were sent to um, the wise men who the angel told about the birth of Jesus Christ. So next week, we are going to discuss all these other characters as our last installment. However, I want us to look at the account of Luke. The account of Luke about the birth of Jesus Christ. Now the Bible says in Luke chapter 2 verse 8, Now there were in, this, in the same country shepherds living out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger or lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace goodwill towards men and so the whole heavens was happy that the purpose of god had come to pass and the bible tells us that these shepherds were going about their business they were these were shepherds going about their business god did not choose to announce the birth of the messiah to the religious people he did not announced the birth of the Messiah to Israelites. He announced the birth of the Messiah to Gentile shepherds who were keeping their flocks. Why would God choose to announce the birth of the Messiah to Gentiles? We'll see later that the people who were in expectation of the Messiah were not even excited about the news of the Messiah. They were not zealous about finding where the Messiah was born. They just didn't care as much. But God chose Gentiles who appeared as if they were not part of the plan. But if we look carefully from right from the time that God gave Abraham the promise that he was going to send a Messiah, that his seed was going to bring salvation to the whole world. God included the Gentiles in that plan right from that time because the promise to Abraham was that in your seed shall all the earth be blessed. All the earth didn't refer to just one race. 
Israel, but all the earth included everyone. And so God had that plan right from the beginning that the Gentiles were going to be saved. And these shepherds were going about their business. They were going about their business and God decided to announce the birth of the Messiah to them. So if somebody has passion, a desire to work for God, it does not mean that the person should just leave everything they are doing and wait for God to call them. These shepherds were going about their business, were doing what they were supposed to do, and God came through to them with a message, a good tidings, and gave them an assignment to go and look for the Messiah. And so when the angel announced this to them, the shepherds said that, oh, wow, we have heard this great news. We have to go and look for this Messiah. So even in this time, wise, and, and later they are, they are called wise men in other portions of the Bible that narrates the story. And so even today, wise men still go and look for Jesus. Wise men will still go and look for Jesus. It is wise. There's a lot of wisdom in following after Jesus. There is a lot of wisdom in seeking Jesus with all your heart. When these guys had the news that a Messiah has been born, that a Lord has been born, what they said was that we will go and look for him. In verse 16, and said they and they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. So wise men still look for Jesus. We live in a generation where it looks as if people don't really care about the things that happen. People don't really care about the things of God. But those who are still seeking after Jesus are wise people. Just like this shepherd who went to look for Jesus were later called wise men. Everyone who still leaves what they are doing to make time to go and search for Jesus. Make time and search for God in the scriptures. Make time to search for God through prayer. Make time to search for God through having fellowship in church. Those people are wise people. If you still make time to look for God, if you still make time for the things of God, know that you are wise. Because even in these days, no matter how busy we are, I can tell you for a fact that wise men still look for Jesus. Just like these shepherds, God announced the birth of the Messiah. God announced the birth of the Messiah to this Gentile people. They stopped everything they were doing and they went to look for Jesus. So wise men still look for Christ. So everybody who is searching for Christ in this generation know that you are wise. It is the wisest thing you could ever do with your life. The wise men left their business to go and search for Christ. When I read the story of the, the great banquet... Two people gave an excuse using their business, but wise men left their sheep, their sheep and go and look, and go to search for um, Christ. And so, don't be too engrossed in what you are doing in your business, in your family, anything that you are doing now. Let not those things prevent you from searching for Jesus. God did not announce the birth of Christ to people who were idle. You know, I think that people who are idle are the people who have a lot of time. And so he will come and announce to people who are idle so that they can easily go and search. 
but he knew these guys were busy for them to be watching the the bible says they were looking after their flock at night so they were watching over their at night these were diligent people hard-working people you know that usually at night is very cold but for these guys to stay in the field and still watch their flock then they they might they might be they must be very diligent shepherds so god would definitely look for people who are diligent god would definitely look for people who are still busy they were busy but they had to stop all that they are doing to go and look for christ so don't think that you use your work as an excuse or the fact that you are busy as an excuse not to go and look for christ but god will always interrupt your business and be willing to put aside your business because christ is the most important thing in our lives he is the number one he's the first and so these wise men left their business left their sheep they didn't care if they will come and then they, their ships were not there but they went this was so good news this news was so good that they couldn't sit behind and they went to look for him and the bible says they found him anyone who searched diligently for god will find him anyone who set his heart that i want to know more and more about jesus christ will definitely know more and more about him he says draw nigh to me and i'll draw nigh to you and so whenever you leave your business aside whenever you leave the things that occupy you aside and decide that i am going to set my heart on him i am going to search for him i'm going to find him i'm going to seek for him whoever seeks will find the bible says they found the baby jesus christ lying in a manger and when they found him they didn't keep the story to themselves they told everyone they're telling people that they have found the messiah so they didn't just keep the news to themselves but they told people that they have found the messiah the bible says in verse 17 luke chapter 2 now when they had seen him they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child so this guy's 10 evangelist they were telling people anyone who has truly and genuinely encountered jesus christ will go and tell other people about jesus christ when these guys found him they didn't keep the news to themselves but they went out and then they told people so the most important essence or importance of celebrating the birth of jesus christ is to tell the world those of us who have found him we need to tell the world about him we need to tell people that we have found the baby jesus we have found the savior jesus we have found the messiah we need to tell our world about jesus everyone in the bible who truly encountered jesus christ went back and told other people about him and so as we celebrate Christmas and remember the birth of Jesus Christ, one of the things that we should do is to go back and tell other people about Jesus Christ. We're going to end here. And then next week, we are to, we're going to talk about the other characters that I mentioned earlier on. I don't know if anybody has a question or contribution. Is there any question or contribution? Or anything that you want to share. Okay. Nobody wants to say anything. All right. Uh, so, again, 
it's, it's just awesome. Like I, I love the way you were breaking down the, um, uh, the birth, the birth of, of Jesus. Um, and as we go along, it's so many like n good nuggets that I hope people are really uh, getting, you know, how God just always puts things at the right time, at the right place. He's never too late. He's always on time. And he really cares about souls. And I like how you just tie, tie uh, that, that story. And I could really see it from God's perspective, um, looking down on us and how, you know, things look out. I think, I, I pray that it, it's inspiring all of us to know that he still looks at us the same way. He's still looking up, um, looking down at us. And he's very much concerned with um, what we need, what we want, our desires. Um, the, 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 the part that we also have to be cautious, something that you said was uh, our diligence. Of being diligent and seeking after him. Those who seek him shall find him, right? Those who knock, the door shall be open. Those who ask, they'll find a heavenly answer. So um, it's powerful. God bless you, Pastor. That's all I ask. Amen. Amen. All right. God bless you. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, so shall we pray? Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this time in your presence. Lord, we pray that you will continue to teach us, Holy Spirit. You, the great teacher, open our hearts. Give us insight into the story of the birth of Jesus Christ and what we can learn from the story. We pray that, Lord, we will continue to walk in the revelation of the things that you teach us. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Is there any announcement?